0: Hey, Jason. Yes? Tell me if you've heard this one.
1: Hmm.
0: Two cannibals are eating a clown. One of them looks at the other and says, does this taste funny to you? (laughs) 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 You seriously have a career in comedy if the drumming thing doesn't work out. Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. I think you should start telling jokes at the beginning of all the Aubrey shows. Oh, I think I'll, she would let you do that. I'll mention it to her. Or set break or something like I that. I tell her jokes before every show. She actually steals my jokes and uses them in the show quite often.
1: Really? Yep. But she gives me credit. Man, you got to become a writer. I mean, you know, you live here. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. Get get on a show. Yeah. There's got to be somebody like on The Simpsons, like within like walking distance of your house. <laughs> I'm into it. All right. Welcome to another special episode of Musician Mindset Podcast, uh, where today Dave and I are going to be exploring, talking about, and sharing with you our musical goals uh, for 2019, if that's what this year still well, the, is.
0: the 2019-20 school year, let's say. Okay. Yeah, even better. Uh, It's the middle of August, but it very much feels like the beginning of the new year for those of us that have kids going back to school. Or if
1: you're just getting into music college, right? You're just going back to school here. So what are our
0: musical goals? Now, we've
1: both been professional musicians for, let's just say, a longer (laughs) stretch of time than we'd like to to admit, Um, but uh, we still improve. We still set goals at the beginning of each year so that we can uh, push the envelope and become better. So... Today, we're going to share what we've been working on Mm -hmm. and how we go about doing that, Um, and hopefully this helps you guys. So, Dave, let's
0: begin with you. What are you working on? What am I working on? Well, first and foremost, I am always working on whatever I need to prep for any upcoming gigs. That is always the front burner thing for me um, before any other, like, structure of practice routine. So if there are uh, charts I need to download or just, you know anything I need to do to be ready for what is coming at me this coming week. That's always the front burner thing that I'll practice. Um, And beyond that, my overarching goal in practicing in general, I would say, is just to further develop my closeness and relationship to the instrument. Hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it. And then how that breaks down can be different at different times. But the point of practicing to me, it's like, uh, I look at it as any other relationship. Like if I'm not spending enough quality time with my wife, our relationship is going to suffer. So if I'm not spending enough quality time with my instrument, my relationship with my instrument is going to suffer and I'm going to feel that. So um, a lot of times when I'm not practicing as much it's because I'm playing all the time or I'm touring or whatever. So I'm still behind the drums playing, but it's a different level of um, comfort and development that happens when you can have dedicated alone time just focusing on what you're doing, so that's how I look at my practice sessions overall. Uh, is that that's kind of my my end goal, and beyond that, what I'm actually specifically working on right now, uh, a, a big overarching focus for me is improving and expanding my vocabulary. That's a big a big goal for me in the next like, let's say the next year. I want to really... What do you mean by...
1: Sorry to cut you off, but what do you mean by vocabulary? Like your musical terminology or your licks that you're playing on drums, fills and stuff? Licks and fills, I would say.
0: Okay. Um, More so... A lot of it for me is coming from uh, Possible Chops right now, which Mm -hmm. I'll give a shameless plug for possiblechops.com. Nothing shameless about (laughs) it. Um, Listeners of Musician Mindset can enter the code podcast to get the first month free of Mm -hmm. Possible Chops. But... As um, some people may know, I've been transcribing for the website Possible Chops, and I'm an instructor on there as well. But um, one of the side perks of that gig for me is that I have access to this whole giant library of all the other instructors who are all playing amazing stuff. And I have all the transcriptions because I've done them all, so I have them all in my library. So now that I've had a little more um, time to devote to practicing, I've finally started to go back into some of the particular ones that I have flagged as very interesting that I want to learn and get into my hands and get into my own playing. So when I'm talking about expanding my vocabulary, I'm talking about um, adding new ideas into my playing things, Mm -hmm. uh, grooves, fills, whatever, that are not currently part of my arsenal um, just because they don't fall coordination-wise into what I naturally am inclined to do. So I'm trying to stretch myself into forcing myself into some new ideas and it just so happens that the possible chops thing for me right now is the source of that inspiration and the source of those ideas Uh, but it could you know over the years it's been from all kinds of places and you can get that from anywhere but i think it's always good to not we you know we all have our stock things that are just like very comfortable muscle memory go-to things to play like i always play this lick or i always play this So I am constantly trying to combat that in my own nature and in my own playing. When I listen back to recordings and I go, oh, I played that same thing again. Like I need some fresh ideas. Um, That's where I'm trying to go right now as one avenue of development and practice is new vocabulary.
1: Got it. So can you walk us through your process of how you're learning the vocabulary? Like you hear the new, uh, let's just call it Phil. How do you translate that into... Your understanding, and how do you work through it and then eventually
0: get it into your repertoire? Uh, it's a pretty methodical process. Because I have the benefit of having the transcriptions there, I can look at it and see, and it has the stickings. So I can see what hand is doing what and where each hand is falling. And I will do it ridiculously slow, like slow, 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 just to get a general basic flow of how the whole thing feels from start to end, so that I get a sense of like the arc of it and the shape of the whole idea, dynamically and physically where it lands on the drum set and all these things. Um, and so I the process is to first make sure that I am being very, very accurate in my execution of it at a very, very slow tempo mm-hmm. and That will even probably start without a metronome. It'll be kind of freeform to where it feels uh, good to me that I can execute it cleanly. From that point, I will go back and figure out what tempo I'm at, and I will log that. I also, we can get into this, but I'm a big advocate of keeping a practice journal. Same. So I'll log that in my practice journal. Uh, Maybe um, this, like this recent one I was working on, the goal tempo was 102. And I think I started it at 70 and I thought I was going to take, I thought I was going to spend like a day or two. I thought I'm going to learn a new one of these licks every day. That's, that was like my first starting out goal. Well, as I got into it, I, th- I realized very quickly, wow, this is going to take way longer than a day to really master. And I'm fine with that. I actually was happy about that. It, it ended up taking me about a week and a half to get this one, chunk of an idea, which was like eight bars. It took me about a week and a half to get it uh, clean and up to tempo. And what I felt was ingrained in a way that it would come out of me naturally. Not, you know, So I don't just um, kind of like get it up to where it's kind of okay and it sounds good and then gloss over it and move to the next one. Because the whole point of it for me is to really internalize it on a deep level uh in the way that the rest of my comfortable ideas exist in my hands and in my mind you know so i have no problem spending you know infinite amount of time on it because ultimately it needs to sound good it needs to feel good it needs to feel natural to me mm-hmm. and it obviously needs to get to a point where it's memorized and it's not on the page you know i'm using that as a vehicle but it's not um that's not the end game the end game has to be It's in my brain and it's in my hands and it's gonna flow out naturally. Application, right. But so anyway, yeah, with the practice journal, I'll just notch it up two BPM a day to five BPM a day, something like that, until I just get it. And it it feels super weird and different at those slow tempos, but it really doesn't matter because I know, I've done that process enough times that I know what the end result is gonna be, that it's gonna sound good and feel good. right? And, And another part of that is that I'm recording it all throughout, especially as I'm getting faster. I, well, I'll just set my phone on my music stand and use like voice memos. I'm not doing anything fancy. And I'll immediately, I'll play it for like 30 seconds and I'll immediately listen back and I'll go, oh, that bass drum on the end of three is a little more rushed than I want because, uh, I'm having a mechanical issue or I'm having a coordination issue and I'm thinking about too many other things and I'm not hearing that flaw. So when I hear that back then I can go back and readdress that as the priority of what to clean up. Yeah, I mean, the discipline yeah. of
1: being that analytical yeah. about your practicing is why you're able to continue to to grow. Um, so how how do you choose a lick or that you wanna
0: add into your repertoire? Uh, it's just something that speaks to me that I think is cool. It's my own aesthetics or taste or whatever you wanna call it. Um, there are a lot of licks on there that are amazing face melting licks, but I'm like, meh, it's fine. It's not me. I wouldn't play that. Mm -hmm. It's just not me. But there are some, you know, just you got to be on the lookout for what's going to grab you, you know? And Mm I, there are a few of them on there. I was like, wow, that is awesome. And I can, I can hear it. I can like see it in my mind's eye. I can hear it and I can feel that I, it would make sense for me to play that, but it's something I had never thought of. So it just is appealing to me based on my own taste of what I think is interesting and fun to listen to. And that's all it is. Some of the stuff is even, you know, more complicated or fancy or whatever, but I just look at it and I'm like, yeah, that's cool for that person, but that's not me. It just doesn't feel like me. Having a strong awareness of who you are as a player and your
1: voice helps you choose what you want to expand on. Yeah, yeah. That's thing. That's important because uh, you don't have to learn everything, mm-hmm. right? There's so much content out there yeah. on e- every instrument. Mm-hmm. Pe- some people get into the the mindset that they they have to know X, Y, and Z, and all these styles, and, and you end up wasting a lot of time because most of that stuff's not going to be practical for the the style player that you are. Because at the right. end of the day, you're going to play best playing stuff that you love, right? That feels natural to
0: you. Yeah, so, and you don't have to um, freak yourself out that I have to have this like fully formed musical identity of a person of myself. It's more that comes naturally by way of only chasing things that you're drawn to already. And then when you do that long enough, that in and of itself is what shapes your musical personality, I
1: think. Right, right. Have you always been like that when choosing new fills and and licks? Or Mm -hmm. or in the beginning of your career, let's talk professional career here, not Mm -hmm. like the beginning of your musical journey. Were you, were you still thinking like this or, or was that an evolution?
0: I think I've always thought like that. I definitely remember, um, going to see bands and going to see drummers play. (laughs) And this is when I was a lot younger. I remember I would have a goal at every show that I would walk away from that show with one new idea or lick that I was going to take from that guy. Mm -hmm. And I, when you do that with enough of a broad enough sampling of different kinds of players, It all is a melting pot that becomes you. Sure. And so that was my process. Um, And then eventually too, you come up with your own ideas. And I've been doing that as well, you know, trying to take all my influences and just, uh, it's all going to come out in a way that's uniquely you, whether you are trying to do that or not. Mm -hmm. I've had a very similar uh, journey as far
1: as like finding my identity as a player. And I I would say it hasn't been until maybe the past two years that I've really understood who I am as a guitar player. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the beginning of, of, like, you know, when I was, like, 20 or whatever, like, just starting to get into doing this professionally, I would study a whole bunch of different styles, right? Mm-hmm. And take a little from this and a little from that. And and then you start to gain confidence and this feels right, well, this doesn't feel right, and, and it becomes your voice. Yep. And I think it's the same for for an artist. So if there's any songwriters that are listening out there, mm-hmm. it's the same Thing. Like you don't have to just try and write country music or you don't have to just, right. you know, don't go one direction, try all directions. Mm-hmm. It becomes who you are and then be okay with who you are. Yeah, That authenticity is is really, it's, it's everything,
0: you know? Yeah, because at the end of the day, you can't suppress your own uh, individuality even right. if you try. And so even if right. you're trying to copy somebody else, it's gonna sound like you copying that person. It's not gonna sound like that person.
1: Right, and I see all too many... All too often, I see uh, young artists doing that or mm-hmm. trying to sound like what is current right now. Mm-hmm. Fast forward five years, it's no longer current. You right. know, now you're just a, a now it's not current, nor is it original. M- yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. so, and it's yeah. let's gone. It's not going anywhere. Better to be
0: original and bad and unpopular. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so
1: you know, explore yeah. and don't feel like you have to do one thing other than what feels right. And yeah. that's a, a theme that has uh, continued to come up uh, with the guests on the show. Mm-hmm. Is just this authenticity in everything that you're doing uh i definitely understand that in the past several years have really honed in on that for myself as a musician um not really as a songwriter anymore i don't really do that anymore but just as a musician that power of authenticity Mm -hmm. uh and it it just opens this incredible floodgate of of, uh, creativity you know and and just enjoyment on the instrument because there's no more pressure Yep. Right. Like, if you're trying to, to be one type of thing, uh, you're suppressing what you really are. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So, like, it's like keeping keeping loose and keeping honest and real is is um, very valuable. Yeah. Uh, but to your point about the about the um, the lesson logs, mm-hmm. practice times logs, man, I at least once a month think. I wish I had those those books. Oh, that, the old that ones! I, oh man, mm, I, yeah, I'd love yeah. to share that with my students because yeah. I don't want them to think that I'm just talking stuff. Right, you know what I mean? Right, like right. I literally had a journal. Yeah. Uh, and every day I'd have the date, the time practiced, the the yep. tempo practiced at, yep. d- and then I had a little checkbox: Did you uh, did you accomplish today's goal? Yes or no? Yep. You know. Yep. But, and and uh, as micro as those things are, that's how you get to the macro level of success. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, like yeah. you. you you've you have to go through all those details. Yeah. And you and I
0: are both type A princesses. Yeah. You know, we both, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am I have old, I don't have many more either, but I, I used to have old things where, uh, you know, let's say at Berkeley, I was practicing four hours a day for a certain period. And I would be very um, meticulous about, I'm going to work on my reading for 30 minutes. I'm mm-hmm. going to work Same. on my soloing for 30 minutes. I'm going to work on playing to a click for 30 minutes. And it would just all be broken down like that every single day. And I, I can't, I mean, I could still do that. It's not as beneficial anymore for me to be like that about it. But I think you have to go through a phase where you do that, right. you know? I think I get more bang for my buck now um, being more uh, targeted. Like if I only, pr- I might only practice one thing in a day, but for a longer time, but it's only one thing and I'm mastering that thing, sure. As opposed to, you you know, I think, let's just say college age, high school age, for example, you have to be that broad in your approach, and you have to be that disciplined and that methodical. I think.
1: Well, it strengthens the muscle for you to be able to do what you do now. Yeah. But right, as far as like how you
0: approach your practicing, yeah. Um, so and you meet guys now where it's like, oh, I wish I would have worked on this one aspect of my playing more. You know, I never wanted to be that guy. I want to make sure. I've checked all the boxes and mm-hmm. you know versatile and all that kind of stuff. Uh and not to say that the if you're not doing that it's
1: wrong because there's some musicians that their practice habits are are different. Yeah. Um but I think we all have some kind of structure, right? And the yeah. bottom line is we all have effort or we're putting mm-hmm. in it's just how do you maximize that effort uh and optimize the time that you that you can put in because yeah. the the deeper you go in your career the harder it becomes not only to improve because you're improving in like micro movements, Mm -hmm. but you have such limited time, you know? And uh, that's really the biggest challenge. So you strengthen that muscle at the beginning of your career when you do have the time, it allows you then later on to be able to dial in on, okay, this is exactly what I need to fine tune. And that can be very valuable if you come across an opportunity to get a gig Mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, well, you need to work on these three songs and have them ready by tomorrow. Yeah. Well, if you haven't developed that muscle of laser focus and executing and within, you know, a three hour window and being able to cover multiple topics, you're in trouble. Yeah. Right. So if you're listening to this and you are a music college, you're starting your career, be disciplined. Mm -hmm. It's It will pay dividends later on. I mean, I see that with All types of people who are successful, not just in music. Yeah, just there's there's something to be said for structure um, and holding yourself accountable. Yeah, and to with the with the lesson logs, I mean it really helps with the motivation. You know, that's what I was
0: going to say too. It's it was always and still is motivating for me to be able to look back, even if you're doing it every day for seven days, and you go, oh, this exact thing that I'm playing at 102 BPM today, I could only play it at 70 BPM seven days ago right but i've notched it up five bpm a day through hard work and seven days ago i couldn't play this thing at this tempo and now i can and it's just a really concrete way as opposed to if you were more abstract about it you'd be like yeah it sounds better than it did a week ago it's cool it's faster you know it's just a more measurable way to do it
1: right well, like. and, if, and if what you're just saying if you start thinking like that well you don't really know how good you're getting or not getting,
0: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you're just exactly. assuming
1: that you're getting good. right? And then your level of professionalism, I feel good down, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're not listening to yourself or you're not keeping track of what you're doing, you could tell yourself a, a fake story mm-hmm. real quick, yep. you know, because uh, this feels good, right? right? And you want to become comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely where you want to go. I had a point I was going to make about that, but I had just uh, forgotten it.
0: Um, well, I think uh, recording yourself, even just practicing comes into play in a big way in that, mm-hmm. you know, because like you said, you, like the example I was telling you, um, on my possible chops thing, I thought it sounded one way. Um, I can't remember if this was before the mics were rolling or not. And I told you this, you know, I thought it sounded one way. And then the one bass drum note was rushing, in a way that I wasn't hearing as I was playing it because I was too focused on other things and then mm-hmm. I hear it back and I'm like, "Oh, I need to address that. I need to fix that." So mm-hmm. that's e- even in, you know, we talk a lot about recording our gigs and critiquing that, but recording individual practice sessions are is just as valuable. You've always done that, right? I think oh, we, yeah. we we did this on your episode. Yeah. 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 Yep. And uh it's it's such a
1: great habit to to yep. get into. So if you're not doing that, start doing that for sure, because, you know, the the tape doesn't lie, (laughs) as as they say, you know, you've got to really know where you're at
0: to know where you need to go. You're holding a giant mirror up to all your flaws. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the best way to get better faster. Yeah. And and, um, I I think this would be a cool opportunity
1: to talk about um, the podcast that we had shared with each other, or you shared Mm -hmm. with me earlier this week about how do you listen to yourself? Yeah. You know, uh, um, you want to riff on that a little bit of like what you got out of that podcast?
0: Yeah. So the podcast we're talking about is called You'll Hear It. And it's some friends of mine in St. Louis that run that podcast. And I believe that was a listener question who was asking, how do you go about um, being honest with yourself, not too hard on yourself, but not getting yourself to a point where you just accept your flaws and go, oh, I'm always... I, I think the guy who was asking the question was basically saying, uh, "It's it's terrible listening to myself. It makes me cringe and I can't stand hearing myself back. And how do I get past that? And this and that. So, I mean, you and I've talked about this before on the show too, which is having an honest assessment of yourself, of how you sound. You know, you don't want to walk around thinking that you suck and you don't want to walk around thinking that you're God's gift to the instrument. Mm -hmm. You want to have, I mean, I feel because I... Have recorded myself for so many years, and I've heard myself back. I feel like I have a pretty accurate assessment of what my strengths and weaknesses are, and what I want to work on, and what I do well, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, the the real gift of that is when I'm uh, playing a show or or recording in a session. I don't have to wonder if I'm sounding good because I have a realistic enough real time feedback mechanism in my mind that will tell me if I'm sounding good and I know I can trust myself and I know I can trust that feedback that I'm getting. If And I can, you know, on the flip side, I can tell if something's not feeling right, I can tell pretty quickly and I can adjust as needed.
1: That is one of the biggest joys of playing an instrument for a long time Mm -hmm. and becoming a pro at it is the ability to self critique in the moment. Yep. Um, because then you you realize that you do have the skill set to adjust what's not going well. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's very challenging. I see that with a lot of the the advanced students that we have here at the program, mm-hmm. um that they haven't quite gotten there yet. Right. The ability to to self-critique right. on an unemotional level, mm-hmm. right? Um but watching them go through that process it, like it reinforces with me. Like that's something I really enjoy. Like within my own playing now, is mm-hmm. that you can hear yeah. what's not working. Yep. But I don't get upset about it. Right. You know, it's it's unemotional. Like you're thinking like a mechanic. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like yeah. this isn't working. This is how I'm going to fix it. Problem solve. I can. Yeah, solution. yeah. You can analyze
0: as it's going. Yeah. So this is reminding me. I do have a list that we can get into later if we want. Of I made a list of some practice materials that I'm working on and like books and DVDs and things like that that I like. But you're reminding me of a story from uh, a DVD that I've really been getting a lot out of lately, which is by Benny Greb called The Art and Science of Groove. Did I let you borrow oh, that? Oh, I've seen that. That I, was awesome. I gave you that, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So he talks, I love that DVD. I actually watched it again yesterday. Yeah, that was really um, good. I remember watching that. Yeah, it's really, really good. I highly recommend that to people. Um, he tells a story on there. He's talking about um, improving your time. And this is not a drummer thing. This applies to anybody. He relates it to a tightrope walker and people. He he's putting forth the question: How can some people play a groove for ten minutes straight and it never fluctuates and it just feels great and it doesn't rush, it doesn't drag? You're you know you're playing free, you're not with a metronome. How does that happen? Are some people just innately blessed with great time and some people don't have it? You know, blah blah blah. So he gives the analogy of a tightrope walker and he says, you can watch a tightrope walker holding the bar and you wonder how can he make it across that entire thing without ever falling over. And he's balancing himself seemingly perfectly. He makes it from one end to the other, never falls. So, um, Benny Greb says in the DVD that there was a a study done where they hooked up electrodes or whatever to one of these guys. And what it found is that he's losing his balance. Like, hundreds of times per second or whatever, you know, and the point being he has trained his internal alarm system to be so fine-tuned and so accurate that as soon as the tiniest, tiniest little imperceptible shift in balance occurs, he is trained to correct. And to the naked eye, it looks as if he is perfectly balanced the entire way. Mm -hmm. And the point of the story was that's essentially what happens when you um, have great time. When you're working on your time, you, your internal alarm system is so razor sharp focused to sense any shift of rushing or dragging that it's so minuscule that it, you can't even hear it as a listener, but your, your alarm bells are going off inside when you feel things moving around. And so the idea is you're trying to constantly refine that to a narrower and narrower and narrower margin of error. And to the point where it's never going to go away and be perfect because we're not computers, we're human. But you're trying to train that to such a fine point to where, at the end of the day, it's you're you know you basically say you have good time and you don't rush Mm -hmm. or drag in any way that is perceptible.
1: So it's this um, overwhelming commitment to the musical moment. Mm -hmm. That uh, is a nice segue into what I have been working on this year. If we could, if you don't mind. Uh, so two things, number one, having a stronger musical attention span is what I call mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. this commitment to the musical moment. Yeah. What's happening right now? Where am I? What am I doing? How do I feel? And then the second thing is working on uh, control
0: of playing behind the beat. Right. right. And I know you're working on that. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. How, what your process is and how that's going for you and everything.
1: Well, let me let me start with how I feel about that mm-hmm. uh, because we're I've, I made this intentional uh, decision in January. Mm-hmm something I'm obviously we've had many discuss, discussions over this, I mean, off air and then with mm-hmm. other musicians. Um, but it was the beginning of this year that I was really like, you know what? I really want to gain control of this so I can teach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going great. Awesome. You know, like I definitely feel a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the two concepts tie in because it, just to, to your story um, with the tightrope Walker, there's no way you can feel where you are in the beat unless you're Aware of what you're doing mm-hmm. and how you're feeling, mm-hmm. right? So you, you they go hand in hand. You have to develop your mind and your attention to then be able to make the adjustments. Uh, for me, it's not mechanical. It's at this point, it's more feel. Where am I? And it's in, mental. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I have um, my process has has uh, has been this. I have a drum loop. A, mm-hmm. a 100 bpm drum loop that is not a machine driven drum loop it's it's a real drummer mm-hmm. that, that i found on on youtube so i loop that and i've been meditating to that mm. so i've been i've been working on breathing in but in time oh interesting right? and then like if i'm doing like a half beat um uh exhale mm-hmm. i'll think of the subdivisions within that wow yeah so like like the 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 breath in and the breath out is all counted um, whole note half note uh, quarter note eighth note and now I'm up to sixteenth notes, right? So if I'm if I'm oh. if I'm going to exhale, I'm going to exhale. Let's just say two beats, mm-hmm. right? I'm thinking one and two and one e and a two e and a. Oh, right? I see along with this drum beat that oh, I'm cool. hearing, right? So yeah. it's it's forcing me to, to listen to the drum beat, mm-hmm. right? So like my mind's really in tune with kick, snare, hi-hat. Mm-hmm. So that way, when I go into a live situation, my ear and my mind are better tied in with kick, snare, hi-hat, not is my guitar amp loud enough? Oh, yeah. Right? Because the answer to that's probably yes. You, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so yeah, <laughs> turn it up. <laughs> Um, but uh, that, so are you. That's uh, helped a
0: lot. To, to are you timing start. the inhale and exhale for equal amounts of time?
1: No, I created it like where where I'm getting progressive with it. Right, so I'll start off with with a whole note, then strip it down to a half note, and then quarter note breaths, and then eighth note breaths. So it's more like Wim Hof. You've listened to. Wim Hof, you know he is? Huh. He does this, these breathing exercises. Right. It's like rapid breathing.
0: Oh, so your inhale and exhale both are getting faster as yeah. you go? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Interesting. Um, but I'm focusing on the subdivision, like all
1: of the subdivisions to a 16th note mm-hmm. the entire time, mm-hmm. right? It's just when did the inhale and exhale happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found this to be very helpful uh, yeah. in the, mostly because it was, it's a live drummer. Right, it's not a machine drummer, yeah. and I didn't want to do that. And I intentionally didn't do it with a metronome, yeah, because the metronome would be too straight. And the object over the entire year was to was to play off of the metronome, right? Right, right. because I spent so much time, yeah, to metronome, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. And I'm used to do gigs with like in, an in your monitor system where we'd have metronomes, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You know, we're both like huge yeah. proponents of using mm-hmm. metronomes. But if you're trying to to do a study on feel right. and playing behind the beat, well, I think it's been very beneficial to to play along with people that are playing behind the beat. Right. You know, that just forces you to do that. So using the live drummer for the meditation has, has done two things. It's helped me relax a mm-hmm. little bit more as far as like... Uh, being in control of my mind in the moment and just knowing where I am as far as like breath and that I can uh, accelerate or decelerate my, my breathing and be in control of that, pay more attention to subdivisions mm-hmm. um, and then really train my mind to listen uh, very uh, uh, very deeply to whatever instrument I want when playing in live setting. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, because of the, the, um, the demand of the business that I run, I don't get to play out all that often, right? Mm-hmm. So so the jam sessions that I do get involved in now are way more fun for me mm-hmm. because they're they're the real test of right, the progress. That's your yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like you get to play out like yeah. weekly. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been really nice to see that progress and I might go 6 weeks without playing in you know with with a band. Right. And then it's like, okay, cool. I can see that six weeks ago, this is where I was, and I'll take notes, you yeah. know, of like, okay, I need to work on this and this and this. Yeah. Um, but that's been the way I've been approaching the mental aspect of mm-hmm. it, right? And then like translating over. Yeah. Now, as far as like the behind the beat playing, it's been it started off with a lot of metronome work, right? Mm-hmm. So I would play just like one chord, one strum, um, and then trying to be right on that beat, mm-hmm. right? Like directly on it, so I under, I could really feel where one is or we're like right on top of that beat and then I started being intentionally late I wasn't trying to play behind the beat I was trying to to be late mm-hmm. so that I could understand where the extremes are right, right. where is right on top of the beat right. and where is out of time because right. the gray area right. is behind the beat yeah right so then okay once I feel I'm, oh, I'm out of time mm-hmm. now start pushing it closer and a little closer and mm-hmm. a little closer until I found a spot within those two beats right like on time and off time right The two marker points let's call them i started to become aware of what felt right in between right then tie that into okay now we'll add more um uh, more accents or more just play more rather than just one strum and feel it now let's do quarter notes for two measures mm-hmm. now let's do eighth notes and then you start to become aware that you're rushing your eighth notes, which has always been a tendency of mine. But now at least I'm like super aware of where they're going. Okay, now let me put those slightly behind the beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that I understand where behind the beat is for me, right? Because it's 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 a personal thing, yeah, you know, very much. like like because yeah. like, it's not a real thing, right? It's it's like this elusive feeling, right? Uh, so then I started just doing the same the same process uh, with the musical meditation that, that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. To get a to get a general feel of okay, this is the feeling that I want to have right. when I'm playing, right? Right, and then how do you sustain that? Which to the type, uh walker story, yeah. right? Like yeah, how exactly. how do you make that last for yeah. three minutes? Yeah. So uh, what has helped me tremendously is the amount of songs I play along to the recording with, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, when when we're when I'm doing the lessons, we're almost. Every lesson, I'm playing along to a song, right, right with with the student, right, uh, or we're playing along to a drum beat. So I've gotten just so used to playing the same songs uh, right. that there's zero mechanical. Right, w- you're work on, on this. autopilot
0: if you let yourself. Right, yeah.
1: right. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that's been great because as I'm playing along to the song, I'm listening to the drums on the track, right, right, and then and I'm feeling where is this drummer placing this beat. Right, and I'm gonna I'm now I'm gonna play right on top of the beat, and mm-hmm. now I'm gonna try to play slightly behind where he's putting that that kick or that snare, mm-hmm. and go through that same process of uh, what I did with the metronome, but now doing it to a recording. Yeah, right, and then finding the extremes on that, and then starting to dial it in to oh, this feels right. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. This feels right. Doing this for now, I don't. Know, what were we at? Like eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been in the past like. Three months, I'd say, where I've noticed a significant difference in my playing. Yeah. Just when I pick up the guitar and I play, yeah. I know I'm not rushing. You know, like like I can just I feel. Way you have like more a relaxed. new set point. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. To a, a good, point yeah. where I actually feel like I'm getting too loose. I was mm-hmm. listening to a recent recording that I, that I had done like mm. for myself. And I was like, "Oh, okay, now we're getting, like, a little
0: too Keith Richards,
1: right. you know? We're going, just a little right.
0: bit. <laughs> so, but it's great, because now you can just turn the dial up and down and exactly. control where you want it to be. Exactly. Oh, the vibe of this song, I need to be a little loose and behind. The vibe of this song, I need to be real precise. Absolutely. Yeah, and and, and it's just, that, like, yeah. a physical
1: technique. Yeah. Like, you know, let me like as far as the guitars, well, same with, with drums. Mm-hmm. It's, like, your dynamic mm-hmm. range, right? You know yeah. when to play loud and soft and yeah. where in between. So now this... Like, where are you going to groove at mm-hmm. and how do you mentally stay focused on that um, is really starting to, to come into fruition.
0: And that also ties into something we mentioned a couple episodes ago, um, which is getting to a point where you're able to focus on other things besides yourself when you're actually playing. Oh, sure. sure. That's all. That's totally that.
1: Yeah, and, yep. and it, it makes the experience that much better. I would yep. say this is this has been the most fun year for me as a musician in my entire career. Yeah. That's awesome. Because it's like I'm finally getting to a point where I'm like, this is the way I've always wanted it to feel when I play. Mm-hmm. You know? Um but yeah. Too you bad ha- we don't have a Led
0: Zeppelin band anymore. Right, right. <laughs> well, so I use
1: I use the, the Zeppelin songs as a um as a really good marker on this because, you know, like we talked about in the previous oh, yeah. episode. I've been playing them for so long mm-hmm. that I remember what it was like the first year of like really studying that music yeah. and then the second year. And now I'm playing these songs where I'm like, this is the way it's supposed to feel. Yeah, that stuff know? can't be stiff. Right, yeah. and, it, and it, there's a difference between sound and feel, mm-hmm. right? Um, sound is like, more technique-based stuff, but feel is something that's gotta be internal. Yeah. So now I'm playing the, the tracks and I'm I'm really dialed in with the drums mm-hmm. and it's now making the the guitar part of my performance be just right where I want it to be just super loose but tight at the same time yep we should do a show That's yeah. what I'm saying right? yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but it's been great so that those are the things I set out to do at the beginning of the year yeah um I think I'm pretty close to achieving my objectives yeah uh, the next the final quarter of the year is is really going to be. Uh, documenting a way to explain that uh, right. to a student. So maybe right. this will be the first step in that, this conversation, Yeah, you know, yeah of talking great. out how to do it. Good. Um, but it's been great, you yeah. know, like, like no doubt. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: That's great, man. Okay. Cool. Well, Let's...
1: I think that this will be a, a nice time to bring in a new segment on our show. Okay. okay. Let's okay? do it. <laughs> so we're going to get into segments now. We're all professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's going to be, um, it's going to be uh, listener questions. Okay. So if you want to submit your question, then I'll see if he wants to do that. Uh, <laughs> if you want, if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer then then please do so. Where should people submit questions to? I mean, we just asked a couple friends at this point, but <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: this is definitely real. This is legit. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, our Facebook page, let's say.
1: Okay, great. Yeah, per- uh, message
0: us on our Facebook page. All right, good. Yeah. So, yeah, you manage that, and the, and then musician yeah. mindset on Facebook. Yeah, find us perfect. and send us a message.
1: Yeah, send us a message, and and we'll we'll put it into this new fancy segment that we have. Okay, so, uh, Josh writes, I'm a guitar player working on strumming hand technique. How do I improve speed without creating more tension in my hand? So, the faster you go, the um, the more tension that mm-hmm. that builds up. Uh, so. Going to take it, take I a, love this question. Yeah, I love take a stab question. at
0: this. Yeah, I would love because this relate. This is
1: not a guitarist question. This is a, this sure. is a musician question yeah. for sure.
0: Well, and it's definitely a drummer question too. Yep. I mean, among other things. Um, this is a concept I first got from Peter Erskine uh, on on a video I saw of him. He he explicitly said, "The faster you play, the more relaxed you have to be." And you have to be aware of that as a concept because it's completely counterintuitive because everyone, whether it's drums or guitar or anything, as you are playing faster and faster, the tendency is to like stress out mentally and tense up physically and all these things. And if you can start um, understanding the, the concept that you have to relax to play fast. And then another thing, this is another Peter Erskine thing. He said the faster he's playing, the more he zooms out and thinks in broader counts of time. So, for example, if your quarter note is uh, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, and you're trying to like play and make a groove and whatever, he, if you're going along and that's your tempo, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, you keep playing time and he might start thinking one, two, oh, three. Four, you know what I mean? Got it, it gives you wider range. It gives you, it's just a mental trick. Yep. It's a total mental trick, but it has very real, very physical manifestations in your hands and in your playing because you are um, playing, you, you could be playing the same pattern or the same notes or the same everything else, but just making that mental shift, that would be tip number one is whatever your tempo is to just zoom up a couple levels and start thinking, start, instead of counting quarter notes, count downbeats of the measure. Instead of counting downbeats of the measure, count downbeats of a four-bar phrase, and so on. See Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's one huge trick that, for me at least, that was like a revelation and massively helpful in up-tempo playing for me. And then the other thing, which relates to what we were talking about with my um, possible chops endeavors recently, is to start it slow... And this may seem obvious, and he may be already doing this, but start it slow and gradually bump it up, but put a limit on yourself that you will not allow yourself to go f- fast beyond the point where you're relaxed. Totally. That's the whole key right there. And that's been the secret of my success. In any time I've been able to add speed to something that I'm working on, mm-hmm. I don't care if it takes me a week or a month or however long, I just unconditionally won't allow myself to play faster than how fast I can play relaxed and that's simply all there is to it and if you are doing it every day speed is going to be a natural byproduct of good technique sure that's the answer really i mean speed is a byproduct of good technique speed is not a goal in and of itself if you're playing relaxed and with good technique and you're doing it over time then that's going to result in speed and it's going to result in the good kind of speed where you're not hurting yourself, you're not tensing up. I don't know. That's my take on it. I'm sure you have it's, some good it's, insights it's, on that as well. Definitely, because I see
1: this a lot with students. And I, I want to kind of just uh, go off of what you just said there, but use the word patience. Mm-hmm. You, like players have to have patience when when trying to acquire speed mm-hmm. because the body wants, like your your body wants to do things easily, right? Right. The, the wrong technique could be Easy for the body, right? But you'll hit a wall, right? Right, because it's you're right. only going to go as fast as as your body's going to let you. So if you're using tense muscles to play this, well, your body's remembering that right. process, right? right? And then you physically will not be able to to break through any barriers because exactly. you're too tense. You have to right? outsmart yourself, e- exactly. Yeah. So you have to have patience and understand that you're you're not going to. I mean, unless you're on like like a, like a high pro quality level, you're not going to get a fast technique in a few days. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to play the long game. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, only bump it up two or three BPM, even every other day, mm-hmm. you know, and just be okay with that because you're ingraining in technique up to the player, whether that's good technique or bad right. technique. But it gets back to what you were saying earlier about the practice logs. That is uh, one of the biggest things I advise people when they ask me this kind of question is you you have to have metrics to keep yourself motivated. right. So if you're going to try and get um, a, a piece that let's just say is 170 beats per minute, yeah. right. but you can only play it at 110, well, it might take you four months to get to that speed. Right. That's a long time. Right. And if you're doing the same thing and you're, and you're only going up in small increments, it's going to feel like forever. Mm-hmm. But if, if you take that data and you can look at it outside of your practicing yep. and go back to go, oh, well, two weeks ago I was at 110 and now I'm I'm at 125. Right. All right, I can do this, right? You have to psych yourself into it right. and just trust that if you continue down that path, you will eventually
0: get to that number. And if it is taking you that long to get it up to tempo, then chances are you were required to acquire some new technique along the way in order to achieve that. Right. And that is a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. So you can't just think... I know how to do this and I just need to do it faster. Well, if I'm let's take a drum example, if I'm trying to play a single stroke role, maybe I'm hitting a wall because I don't have my finger control together. Mm -hmm. So that process is going to slam me into a wall. That's going to force me to address my lack of finger control. Mm -hmm. And so if it takes me four months to get to my target tempo, then the, that process resulted in me learning finger control. Mm -hmm. So there you go. And then the next time it's that much easier. So there's there's no, like, secret to this. Right. You know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. everybody's looking for, like, some technique that they right. can use to to bust through and play faster. There isn't one. You have yeah. to play the long game. You know, yeah. it would be like trying to force plants to grow faster. Right. You know, you, you can't. It's just, it's going to take its time. Yep. And and if you allow it to take its time and you do it the right way and you follow your your fundamentals and you stay disciplined on what, what it is that you're doing every single practice session... Mm-hmm. It'll yield success, no yep. doubt. I mean it's happened for me, it's happened for you, it's happened yeah. to like all of our pro friends that are players. Like there's there's no secret. There's no like like quick fix. And mm-hmm. that's what people are looking for. And are like, yeah. no, man, it's it's time. Yeah. Like like focused, intentional, practice time. Yep. So sorry, Josh, but <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes, man. Yeah. Um and but then, that's the best advice you could get. Yeah, man. no, it's it's we like, the truth. Yeah. You know, like like you you cannot force those kind of things, because if, if your body is tense, your body's telling you it's wrong. Right. Right? Because you right. don't want to be tense. Yeah. I want to be loose when I'm playing. And even if you're if you're able to force yourself to play faster, but you're tense, is there any enjoyment in that? And it's
0: short-lived. Right. <laughs> even if you can do that, you're never going to get faster in a best case scenario. And in a worst case scenario, you're going to hurt yourself. hmm you know, yeah. so yeah. that's not a solution either.
1: So you got to play the long game, Yeah. right? And, and that'll keep you playing longer and it'll help you achieve the goal that you want. And then yeah. when when you get to that number, let's just say, you know, 180 or whatever, you look back on it and you're like, wow, that was totally worth it. Yep. You know, like the journey is, is worth it once yep. you get to the end game. And what the, what those kind of things did for me as a player is inspired me to keep learning, right? Yeah. And keep pushing the limits of what I wanted to work on because I knew if I could accomplish that, mm-hmm. well, then I can accomplish this. Just like, like the running, I've been trying to run mm-hmm. a marathon this year, right? And mm-hmm. like the the first day, I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. But you know, now I'm up to like 15, 16 miles at, at running. Oh, man, and then, like, great. you know, two miles, that's a warm up. I feel right. fine, right. Right. you know? So it's like, you have to keep the metrics. You have to play the long game, and you're you're better for it at the end. So there's no yeah. quick fix. This is not. I mean, music playing a musical instrument is a lifelong blessing. I look at it. Yeah, it's like it's got to be part of your like your fabric. Yeah, and we live in an instant gratification culture. You know, like, yeah. very unfortunately.
0: But this is not what, what that is. And you bring up a good point. You you know the. uh the destination is not the reward, the journey is the reward. Exactly. And you have to be having fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And what'll happen for like, to give Josh some advice, what'll happen is eventually you will have enough successes in that process in and of itself that it will become fun because you know that you can reliably count on an outcome because you have a process. Mm -hmm. And to go back to my possible chops example of what I was working on the last week and a half, uh, it didn't bum me out at all that I had to start it at practically half speed. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed every phase of that process because there was never a doubt in my mind that it would get up to tempo and sound good. Mm -hmm. I mean, flat out, it's gonna sound good and it's gonna be up to tempo. It's just how hard am I willing to work? How much time am I put in per day that will get me there sooner? Mm -hmm. but it'll get there no matter what. And, you know, that's not a question anymore. I know that's going to happen. Right. It's just a question of how much you're willing to give to it. And do you enjoy the process? I enjoyed all of that. I I enjoyed doing it slowly. I enjoyed examining what all those stickings were and, you know, all these weird things he's playing, you know, all that stuff. I love all of it. And which practicing in general, I've always loved practicing. It's just fun for me. Me I love it. And I feel better as a person, as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, I mean, if I'm like practicing a little bit, even if it's just a little bit every day, I just feel better because I feel like I'm taking care of what's so important in my life. You know mm-hmm. I mean? That's, I just feel, if I feel better connected to the instrument, I feel like a better person and a better connected person, you know?
1: Which was one of your goals for this year is like to be better connected with the instrument. Yeah, right? exactly. So yep. it, it's just, I mean, endless good things come from from uh, taking the long path here. Yep. Yep. Uh, so there you go, Josh. I think this was, I think this was great. So yeah. please send in your questions, um, as many as you want. And maybe, yep. you know, we'll get to a point where we'll do a whole show based on listener questions. Yep. Cause there's a lot of good topics that can, that can come out of this. Yeah. And if people want to submit, um, uh, listener jokes for Dave to read. <laughs> yeah. He might not let you do that because he's on a roll right now. Well, there'll
0: be a strict <laughs> vetting process. <laughs> yeah. Only the, only the cream of the crop will get through. <laughs> right, but right. I'm more than happy to, I mean, I don't. I don't make up jokes. I just steal other people's jokes. So <laughs> right. I'll, if you it's have a good joke. It's all in the delivery though, man. It's all in the delivery. If you have a good joke, I'll happily steal it. Send it my way. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and then you can give a shout out to uh, Possible Chops one more time. Where can people go? Yes. com slash mindset. We have our own landing page on okay. Possible Chops. There you go. And uh, use the code podcast to get a month of free pro membership.
1: All right, cool. So go check that out. And then we have some really awesome guests coming up in the next uh, several episodes. So check those out too. And then we will catch you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes.